Good morning and welcome to worship here at the table for those gathering online and in person. My name is Matt. For those I haven't had a chance to connect with yet and along with Linda, we serve as the co-pastors for this community and we're grateful to gather together on this day. We're going to invite you to stand um, either in body or in spirit and we'll move together in uh, worship this morning with a song that comes to us from the brilliance. This is Don't You Let Go. I'm so tired of chasing goals today I've been chasing my whole life Though I'm tired as I've ever been I'm not giving up the fight These times are getting the best of me. My mind, my soul, my tired body, my whole being is off. I keep looking for something familiar, something foundational, something solid that makes me feel secure. I think of you and search for a sermon verse or song, anything that used to soothe my troubles, feed my soul, enliven my spirit, keep me going. I want a message from a resistant prophet. I want an invitation to leave work and come see miracles. I want to know you love and protect me. I long to feel safe, just come up strong around me, hold me. You know, I used to think of you differently. I was so sure, so certain I had it all figured out. But then I experienced loss and emptiness and inhumanity and insanity and realized I had to grow up. I left all that I knew to know you, the you beyond the metaphors, the eternal, true God. 
You are more than I expected. Nothing and no one on earth is like you. There isn't anything that measures up to your love. It never loses and it never leaves. You are the living will. You are the enduring love. You are the speaking word. You are the stabilizing matter, the ground of all being. Reassure us in our time of need, God. Surround us and secure us in your love. There isn't anything that measures up to your love. It never loses and it never leaves. What a beautiful poem that was in the music. Guys do it all the time. Thank you for that. Welcome. My name is Sarneet Prasad, and I'm the Sunday morning coordinator here at the table. 
We welcome those who are online at table.live. Kara is our host today. Today's bulletin is available with a QR code, those in the sanctuary, and a link will be shared for those online. We have a beautiful QR code which has rainbow colors on it. Also, you can use your phone and it will take you to different places of our website. If you would like to learn more about, about our community of faith, please go to our website, thetableumc.org, and, uh, and complete an online connect card. This will allow you to connect with us and you'll get emails and texts from us. And we have several ways to reach in love this winter. First is Sacramento Steps Forward Needs Volunteers on January 24th and 25th for the 2024 point in time count, a virtual incentive to address homelessness in Sacramento region. Please check our weekly emails for details. Secondly, we'll join other community of faith again this year for Habitant for Humanity Building for Unity. We have open volunteer spots available for February 3rd and 10th Please sign up on our website today. Just so you know, if you do sign up, you, they need to approve your form and everything. It does take, I think, one or two days because I ended up doing that. So please sign up. Um, when you feel ready to connect with others, our core pastors lead a series called Growing in Faith, which is designed to help newcomers learn more about how we share life here at the table. Our next two Growing in Faith opportunities are both full. Please stay tuned to our website and social media. We'll announce the dates and time for the next offering soon. Also, I would like to say that today we will have a pop-up service at Davis UMC at 4 p.m. I invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we continue to move in worship with our music team sharing resilience. Thunder. 
I'll play the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again and again. I'll close my mouth and learn to Good morning, my name is Bob Martinez. Ariel, that, that's quite a roar there. That was great. Woo! Takes years of practice. <laughs> well, whether in person or online, thank you this morning for being resilient and for showing up. That's what it's all about, just showing up. At this time, I want to invite our children to move from the sanctuary to their godly play sanctuaries as our musicians help us with some walking music. I remind families that we do receive an offering in Godly Play to support Mustard Seed School, which is a Montessori-based school for children who are part of families that are experiencing homelessness. We have loving and professional care for our youngest children. Now that's normally in the A-frame, but um, Godly Play is going to, well, the nursery is going to take place on the first floor, probably in the loft room probably do some combining. And the reason for that is because uh, there's no heat in, uh, in the A-frame. So that's an inevitability that we're probably going to have to deal with at some point. You know, stuff gets old, right? No, just, just gets old. I'm, I'm not talking about myself. I just... <laughs> we also have loving and professional care uh, in terms of godly play, which takes place upstairs and is designed for children in elementary school, kinder through the sixth grade. Our reading this morning comes from the 62nd Psalm, and I'll be sharing from the New Revised Standard Version with uh, an additional language change for inclusiveness. And we, of course, invite you to follow along. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For my hope is from God. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before God. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, they go up, they are together, lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion, and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, and twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay all according to their work. Never far away 
disappointed God's not keeping scores and God's not judging my mistakes God is love God is love do not fear for God's with us God is good God is grace God will never hide her face cause God is God is God is God is God is light God is love Do not fear for God's with us God is good God is grace God will never hide her name God is light God is love Do not fear for God's with us God is good God is grace God will never hide her place I see so clearly now God is in the mystery God is always with me My was lost now I'm found Everything I once thought blinded by the And I see so clearly now God is in the mystery God is always with me I'm lost now I'm found Everything I once heard Blinded by the love that God is That God is That God is God is I'm congratulating myself for remaining seated during that song. <laughs> I'm trying to remain calm so I don't go into a coughing spasm, and that was really hard, Ariel. <laughs> I mean, it's so triumphant. Um, with words that are not like putting God in a box, which is so satisfying in so many ways. Thank you, music team. It's okay, we have more cups. <laughs> so, I have recently learned, although I found out it wasn't a new study. It's okay. We're just gonna breathe for a minute. I just love the drama. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you not know what's going on with that person, right? <laughs> Very distressed. So I've learned about this new study, um, and I really appreciated it this week. It said that happiness has a shape, and the shape is a you, 
the letter U. And findings show that happiness <laughs> bottoms out in your late 40s. <laughs> and precisely 47.2 years old. So you're turning 47 in like a couple weeks. <laughs> it's the worst it's going to get, baby. So uh, the good news is it's only going to go up, right? Right. It's only going to go up. Contrary to what many may assume, older people are much happier than younger people. So there, hey, I was listening to Bob. And you might call that the paradox that is aging, which is you feel great, your heart is full of joy, you go to Burning Man, you're ready to compliment every piece of art, and then it's like 9 o'clock, and you're like, I'm staying in my tent the rest of the night. Can't do it. Can't do it. <sighs> now, some of you may question this, especially my scientists in the room. And I questioned it a little bit. But the researchers controlled for education and marital and labor status, and it went across 132 countries, including developing countries, and the U-shaped curve of lifetime happiness held true. And the consistency of the U-curve across cultures consist, uh, suggests that the tendency to feel happier as we age is biological, maybe, and not circumstantial. So I guess there's ways you could say human beings are built for that. But after thinking about it for a bit, I realized I rather appreciate this U-shape of life because, you know, it seems so much better than a seismographic shape of life, right? That's like disaster, disaster, disaster. Um, but I don't appreciate it because it, like, goes up into good fortune. That's not... It, and actually, that's not what they meant by it. Psychologists find that those who are older simply tend to engage with the adversity we face more comfortably. In other words, when we endure hard times over a lifetime, we grow in our resilience. And more resilient people have higher rates of life satisfaction. So then the question becomes, how do we help one another become a resilient people? That's our hope in this new worship series that we're calling it Resilience. It is to take our community of faith um, and, and try and think about how we might make wise actions when our own sources and resources fail us. How might we imagine a better future amid the many challenges facing our world? We hope to explore resilience so that we can be thermostats instead of thermometers in our community, setting the temperature, setting examples of contemplative depth and wisdom, love and peace, rather than just sinking into fury and fear and denial and despair. So here's the working definition of resilience that I'm working with. Uh, Reverend Dr. Alice Updike Scannell identified it this way. Resilience is the ability to endure, grow, and thrive through adversity. Often we think of resilience as the ability to recover from an adverse experience and pick up our lives where we left off. It's that too, but there are times when adversity permanently changes our reality and we can't go back to the way things were. She writes, resilience then becomes the work of coming through the adversity so that at least on most days, we see our life as still worth living. With this kind of resilience, we come through the adversity knowing that we're still ourselves, even though things are very different for us now. So how do we help each other in that coming through part? Father Richard Rohr in his book, Falling Upward, observes that we grow spiritually through acknowledging our powerlessness and by having a willingness to change. And he observes this especially through his experience with the 12-step recovery process, which he says has everyone at the same starting point, powerlessness. 
It is actually the first of the 12 steps. I admit that I am powerless. It's quite radical for many in our US context, including maybe some of us here in this room today. It takes a lot of courage to admit our powerlessness. Sometimes I think we believe we can be all powerful all the time. That is quite a load to carry, friends. In a recent online meditation, he wrote this, Father Aurora, I cannot pretend to understand God, but this is what I see. People who have moved from seeming success to seeming success seldom understand success at all, except a very limited version of their own. People who fail to do something right, even by their own definition of right, are those who often break through to enlightenment and compassion. It is God's greatest surprise and God's constant disguise, but we only know it to be true by going through it and coming out on the other side. We cannot know it just by going to church, reading scripture, or listening to someone else talk about it, even if we agree with them. Until we bottom out and come to the limits of our own fuel supply, there is no reason to switch to a higher octane fuel for that is what is happening. So why would we? We will not learn to actively draw upon a larger source until our usual sources are depleted and revealed as wanting. In fact, we will not even know there is a larger source until our own sources and resources fail us. Brene Brown calls that being face down in the middle of the arena which comes to her from Theodore Roosevelt's quote from 1910. He had a great speech, man, he meant all of us, but he said man, so I'm gonna let that stand. In the arena, it is not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong one stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, he wrote. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least they fail while daring greatly. The psalmist who crafted Psalm 62 as a song of prayer seems to have known well what it means to be face down in the middle of the arena and allow the realization of their own powerlessness to turn them towards God as a refuge in finding their way through. The reading assigned to the Global Christian Church for today begins with verse five in the psalm, but the opening of the song holds some significance too. The opening four verses tell us of the personal predicament that led to the crisis in the psalmist's life and faith. They were the victim of persecution and deception by enemies who masqueraded as their friends. Verses three and four read like this. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall, a tottering fence? Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Here's how it reads in the message by Eugene Peterson. How long will you gang up on me? How long will you run with the bullies? There's nothing to you, any of you, rotten floorboards, worm-eaten rafters, anthills, plotting to bring down mountains far gone in make-believe. You talk a good line, but every blessing breathes a curse. They thought their friend or friends were trustworthy and it turned out otherwise. So they enter a struggle between despair and trust. No longer able to trust others, even their friends, the psalmist comes to realize a very deep and important truth. God alone is worthy of trust and trust in God creates a peace in the soul more powerful and hopeful than any distress caused by human beings. It's an admission of powerlessness. 
And the psalmist critiques the things that we human beings often give our allegiance to other than God. Jesus similarly suggested that where our heart is, that's what matters the most. Psalm 62 speaks negatively to setting one's heart on riches. If we pursue riches, we make those riches our God. And it cannot deliver. The psalm also warns against fearing the enemies who oppress. It is strange to realize if we fear the enemies who oppresses, in some fashion we are acknowledging them as God. Hmm. To worship God, then, is to be freed from serving any human enemy. And then, because our trust is anchored in God, we are able to declare not in arrogance, but in quiet trust, I shall never be shaken. Or from the message, I am set for life. In the opening paragraph of his confessions, Augustine declares that humans are made for God, and therefore our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. It would seem our psalmist has found a way to rest in God, hard times notwithstanding. And we know that Jesus found his way over and over again to rest in God's love despite those who persecuted him. It is a posture worth our practice. I saw this really brilliantly represented during the Emmys this week. Maybe some of you saw this. It was when Niecy Nash Betts accepted her award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Series. Often cast in comedy, this award was for her a dramatic role. It was a very heavy drama about Jeffrey Dahmer. People said she couldn't do it. Acknowledging her own experience of persecution, she notably opens with resting in God. She acknowledges her struggle while acknowledging the help of her family and friends and neighbors that stood by her and the ones that believed in her. And finally, she acknowledges the privilege of her win and the platform of the Emmys. She speaks then on behalf of those who do not have a voice. Let's watch. And the Emmy goes to Nisi Nash Betts, Dahmer, Monsters, and Jeffrey Dahmer, sorry. for this divine moment. Thank you, Ryan Murphy, for seeing me. Evan Peters, I love you. Netflix, every single person who voted for me, thank you. And my better half who picked me up when I was gutted from this work, thank you. And you know who I want to thank? I want to thank me. <laughs> for believing in me and doing what they said I could not do. And I want to say to myself in front of all you Beautiful people, gone girl with your bad self. You did that. Finally, I accept this award on behalf of every black and brown woman who has gone unheard yet over-policed, like Glenda Cleveland, like Sandra Bland, like Breonna Taylor. As an artist, my job is to speak true to power, and baby, I'm gonna do it to the day I die. Mama, I won! Uh-huh. She so seems to be resting in God. Thank you to the Most High for this divine moment. And then in the midst of her joy, she's also so urgent. And she lifts her voice on behalf of others. That song we say, 
she is made of thunder and lightning. And she has her roots down really deep. Unfortunately, many are not ready to hear that or do not know how to admit our powerlessness and to rest in God. But if we're going to help people take some wise actions and imagine this better future beyond coming troubles, then we'll have to help people find that future within themselves. That's what she was saying. So we can all live the better future in the world. And the psalmist offers three guidelines. Maybe you heard them. They're rooted in the way of contemplation for living in this tension. And I like to think of these as settings on our thermostats. One setting is to wait. That's really hard for me. Yeah. Wait in silence. Because sometimes God seems absent and silent. That's why we sang that song earlier. So we set ourselves to the wait setting and we listen and we watch. The second setting would be a hopeful posture, hope. When God seems absent and silent, remember our hope does not depend on what is tangible or visible, but rather in believing in what is not a reality, not just yet. And finally, a steadfast love setting. Maintaining a sense of urgency is a form of love. Even when evil seems more visible, urgency is what makes us upset when the powers of evil get loud. And we must remain with a thermostat set on love in the midst of that. If we can do those three things, we are resilient. Not once, not twice, but again and again and again. I believe that's how we become thermostats instead of thermometers. Setting the temperature in these ways, setting an example of contemplative depth and wisdom rooted in God's grace, singing about all that God is, rather than allowing ourselves to sink into the fury and despair we so often see around us. Reverend Timothy Beachy Ver, he writes, today when people use the word faith, they tend to use it as a synonym for beliefs to which they offer intellectual assent. Certainly faith includes beliefs about ourselves, the world, and the ultimate conditions of existence. Also, many of these beliefs cannot be justified easily. Nevertheless, faith is not simply a set of beliefs, a function of the brain, the mind. Fundamentally, it's a condition of trust or confidence. I would say posture of trust or confidence located in our hearts and souls that orients us in the world through certain persistent dispositions and affections. That's setting our thermostat on love. Way back when, the Protestant reformers shared this richer understanding of faith. Martin Luther wrote this. Faith is a living, an unshakable confidence, a belief in the grace of God so assured that a human would die a thousand deaths for its sake. This kind of confidence in God's grace, this sort of knowledge of it, makes us joyful, high-spirited, and eager in our relations with all of humankind. So I want to close with the good news. Through our adversity, we become resilient. That really is good news. I don't go through all this crap for nothing. <laughs> Seriously. I stand up after it and feel joyful and grateful. Resilience is that feeling. It's living in the knowledge and confidence of the grace of God. So here's the invitation. Set our thermostat this week to that. 
and we will be resilient. Amen. One of the practices that the church has offered throughout the generations to bring us back to God's ways of waiting and hoping and loving is this practice of breaking bread, of gathering together around a table where all are invited, itself a practice that might just cultivate resilience among us. And so we prepare now to turn our hearts and our minds, our bodies and souls to one another and to God and to the mystery of God's common union with us through the breaking of the bread. So I invite you to stand either in body or spirit and in hopes of setting our own thermostats to God's settings, we first acknowledge some of the ways that we move in the world um, disconnected from God's love for us and for those around us. The church calls this a prayer of confession. And so I invite us with one voice to share these words of confession together. God, God most, most high. high. You long for us to set our thermostats to your ways of waiting, hoping, and loving. Yet we struggle to place our trust in you. Help us acknowledge our powerlessness so that in you we may find rest and peace. With humility we pray. Amen. Friends, placing our faith not in ourselves but in God can free us to live lives of radical resilience. Perhaps it is the only thing actually that can. Now I'm up the high side of that U, 63, so I know what I'm talking about. We do not rely on such hope as a way to escape personal responsibility. Let God do it, for example. But rather, this hope frees us from the pressure of outcomes so that we can add our best efforts to the tasks at hand. God looks with eyes of love upon your resilient faith and sees that you are enough. You have enough. And you are God's beloved just the way you are. Mm. May you place your trust in that good news, which never lets you go. Let's say amen. Amen. And I invite us to join in the call and response, the church's resilient practice of recognizing the love of God in each and every neighbor around us. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. We invite you to turn to a person near to you and share a symbol of that peace one with another. chaos, water and earth had yet to take shape, and God the painter, the sculptor, the creator touched the swirling mass. God's hand separated earth from water and water from sky. God touched the earth and plants turned green and fruit began to grow ripe, and to celebrate, God placed fireworks in the skies, placing stars in the heavens. God touched the oceans and rivers and ponds, and swimming beings made waves in the water, and God reached to the sky, and things with wings took flight, and God looked upon all of this said, this is good. And when everything was done, God took clay and formed an image of God's own self and breathed into it God's own breath and said, you're the one I've been imagining. You and everything around you, my beloved creation is good. But it wasn't good for long. God's people couldn't acknowledge our powerlessness. And we tried to find our own way, not able to rest in the refuge of God. 
So God reached inside God's own heart and pulled out peace and hope and justice and placed it in a body that the people might recognize, a holy human being named Jesus. And God set Jesus on earth to remind you and the whole world that you are made in God's divine image now, now, and always. all that he could to tell us how much God loves us and to show us how to love each other. But we couldn't accept that and we couldn't agree about it and we were afraid. The principalities and powers lure us to turn against the way made known in the life, ministry, and love of Jesus. In the end, Jesus was given away by the very ones who thought they loved him best because the challenge was too much. But before he was taken, Jesus gathered his friends around a table and promised them, promises us, that he will never leave us alone, but will come back and take us home with him. And like those long-ago friends, we don't always understand the message Jesus brings to us or what his coming and going and coming again means to us, and we can be grateful and we can sing the mystery that is our faith. Jesus gathered his friends together. He took the simple food that was their Passover meal, the bread and the cup, and he blessed them both, gave thanks to God, and said, I'm sharing this meal with you now so that you can share it together whenever you gather in remembrance of me. us into prayer together with the words Jesus shared long ago with his close companions. We encourage you to name and address God in this prayer in the language most dear and true in your heart. Let us pray. Our mother, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pour your spirit, God, upon each of us gathered in this moment and over these gifts before us. Make these gifts your body and your love and make us through them your body alive in the world. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All are welcome to the table of God's love, and when we say all, we mean absolutely everyone. We encourage those of you who are online, um, wherever you are, to bring close to you your bread and your juice at this time. If you are here in the sanctuary, we will share this meal uh, in stations up front and in the back. We... Um, have something a little different this morning. We have bread that was baked for us on these platters, which we invite you to take and dip in the cup, which is always juice. But on instead of crackers, we are having a go at gluten-free bread. Not made in a gluten-free kitchen, I'm supposed to say, but a go at sourdough gluten-free bread that is there on the plate, on the little 
dish for you. We want everyone to know that there are places to pray all around the sanctuary, so take your time praying in your seat or around lighting a candle. We know that for many of us, this is something really different and really new, so please be rest assured there's nothing you can do to make a mistake. The rest of us are here guiding and loving and watching over one another in love in God's divine dance. So friends, this is the body of Christ and the bread of life broken for you all and the cup of God's healing and forgiveness poured out for the whole world. encourage those praying with candles to stay for just as long as you desire in that spirit of prayer. Loving God for this holy mystery through which you are revealed to creation and through which you invite us to take refuge. We offer our lives in your creative ways and many names. Amen. Friends, it is our hope that you will wonder about the next steps that God has in store for you and for those gathered around you. Many of us 
um, share in life together here at the table by what we call making deep commitments. This is setting our hopes on how we will share in life together. And part of that is giving generously of our own financial resources to help our community align with God's healing and liberating love on the loose in the world. A number of you gathered yesterday at Table Farm to help prepare those beds um, for the winter planting, for the spring planting. This afternoon, we'll gather at Davis United Methodist Church at four o'clock for pop-up worship as we continue to wonder about a new expression of worshiping community out there in Davis. There also, as Sarnit had named, is an important initiative here in Sacramento to help us in um, addressing the crisis of folks who are experiencing being unhoused. And part of that is a way that you can take a small step, as we sang earlier, and join your voice with others in that mighty roar. And that is through an initiative that is called the Point in Time Count. So we encourage you, if you haven't already, you can find that on our email and website, and then you can uh, show, they have a video there for you that's an orientation, and then you can join with others this week to help us in that initiative. And then we have just a couple more spots on our Habitat team, so we'd encourage you to sign up today. Those dates, I think maybe February 10th is the only opening that we have left. I invite you to stand as you're willing and able. Our musicians are going to send us out in song. This is a song that comes to us from a musical group in Chicago. This is We Are On This Earth to Love. something to remember is it it's a, in your head now right okay here's the other thing we are on this earth to be thermostats and the cool thing is I don't know about you but my thermostats on my phone now I can set it anytime I can check it also am I getting too hot usually I am right so go forth with that deep down knowledge of our powerlessness and that we are on this earth to love. Love. 